Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station. Jeff Meller hanging out with you in for Carmen York today. Boys are off. They'll be back on Monday. Get you set for Bears and Vikings. Hope you had a great and fabulous Thanksgiving. And hopefully you're having a restful or at least somewhat not maddening Black Friday if you're out and about and cashing in on some of those sweet deals. I'm curious to see what Prime is going to incorporate on their Black Friday broadcast between the Dolphins and Jets. Maybe something uh, we can talk about a little bit later in the hour. Again, Courtney Cronin is going to hop on a little bit after 1.30. Let us know what she thinks about the Bears this upcoming Monday night. And, of course, uh, I talked about it earlier, but I do feel like this is both the easiest and hardest gig one can have, and that is following Yurko doing the driving on Wednesday. He does it one day a year annually. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving where he lets Carm uh, jump into the uh, shotgun seats, and then Yurko takes the wheel, and it is always interesting. And if you missed the show on Wednesday, here are some of the best moments from Yurko as your driver. Carm, do you even know who this is? Uh, do you even know who this is? No. The scenario, Bavaria, I have no idea who that is. We're no kicking idea. it off. Way to start. On a beautiful <laughs> Wednesday. Yes, it that's what we want. Beautiful. It is a beautiful Wednesday before Thursday, Thanksgiving. Carm and I are here, and the one day that the good kid drives, Johnny Handsome, John Yerkovich, yes. he sits behind the wheel of the car and drives it straight into a bridge embankment. That's what we are doing here today. I'm trying to build myself a fund yes. for Sunday. Well, so Saturday, I, too, I, don't forget. If you'd let me finish here before you keep interjecting all the time with your thoughts. If anybody wants to sit and chat and talk and have a good time, ask any question that one could possibly ask. Uh, specifically of Carmen or I, any theories, hockey theories, these theories, hockey those theories, theories, any theories. More sports roots to Carmen and Yurko show. It's Wednesday. Carmen's going to give us one of his favorite recipes. I'll give you the recipe for swirl later on. We've got all types of sporting action happening today. And we come back, we're going to break down that little bit of golf thing that Carmen doesn't hear about anymore on ESPN Radio 1000. And uh, we're going to talk to the people. Yeah. Uh, it's my one pet peeve with Carm. Every once in a while, we don't go out to the people. That was... All right. When we come back, there'll be no Courtney Cronin. There won't be any. I'm, a, I'm sorry to say that there won't be any Courtney But Cronin. we'll be still talking. We'll still be talking NFL football. It's Carmen Yurko Show here on ESPN Radio 1000. Carm, I'm not familiar with this little ditty. I don't know. Are you going to come on on every song coming out? Yeah, every song coming out. I just, you know, if the guy's going to go to production, they're going to go make selections. Then I want to either tell them, hey, this sounds fantastic. It sounds great. It's got a nice rhythmic beat and it's easy to dance to. Do you want to play Tom Brady? Do you want to take more phone calls? What do you want to do? I want to play Albert Breer on the Bears situation. Albert Breer. That's, people want to talk football. I'm not shocked by that. They want to talk Thanksgiving, too. They want, they want to talk, talk turkey. Let's, let's go. Let's talk if turkey. If you guys need cooking tips from Carmen and I, we're two of the best chefs 
here in the city of Chicago. Very well respected Carmen in the community. In that situation. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Let's make it there. I'm rolling. I go, you're going to correct me when I'm rolling? <laughs> Remember, it's Wednesday. Black Wednesday. We're having fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a party now and a party tonight. When we come back in the ESPN 1000. Yeah, all right. It's Wednesday. You got that right. Right before Thanksgiving. Mm. I think everybody is really just kind of pacing themselves up to the evening is what's happening here. You know who this is? Uh, Imagine Dragons. Glass Animals. Glass Animals. Almost close. Glass Animals, Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear it, but I don't know it. Right. And when we come back. See, maybe We're the gonna date get happened. an update. We're gonna get an update. I hope we're gonna come find out. Polly Cheesecake got a new jersey. <laughs> gonna give us all the details about maybe some Amore. good times for Polly Cheesecake and his picks when we come back on the Carmen and Nico Show. Yes, Ping Radio One Thousand. That's right. It's the Carmen and Yerko Show, ESPN Radio 1000. We just got all the picks. I don't know if you were here 15 minutes ago, but all the picks came down from our good friend Todd Furman out in Las Vegas. But we've got one guy that's in Vegas. We've got another guy on the East Coast. Yeah. And our guy on the East Coast is the cheesecake. What do do we call him? The cheesecake Uh, king of America is what he is. Sure. I'm sorry I didn't call yesterday. I was working one to nine. Paulie, you got to work. You got to make the money. You know, you got to keep the heat on. You got to keep food on the table. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, guys. How's our our girl, Lola Falana? She's doing good. We're going to get together after the holidays. So you haven't gotten together yet. Wait a minute now. Now, wait a minute. This just keeps getting extended. My mom had had gout, so I had to get her right. Well, gout, okay. I mean, mean, we eat some cherries and boom, you're in good shape. We are back with Chicago Sports and the Carmen and Yurko Show here on beautiful ESPN Radio 1000, a day before Thanksgiving, where we all gather, watch football at 1130, get big, get fat, unbutton our pants, put our hand in there for comfort, you know, right under the the boiler, and sit back and watch football for the rest of the day. That's what it's all about. Well, that's another one of these young hip songs that I'm just not familiar with. Yeah, I don't know it, don't have it. I like to think that I know a lot, but I don't know a lot. I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night. Once I ran from you, now I run to you. Look at you. This tainted love you give me, Carmen. It is a tainted love that you give me. This is why you should drive more often. That man-on-man love that only one can enjoy. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. It is ESPN Radio 1000. It is Johnny Handsome here on the Carmen. And Yurko's show, the one day I drive the show straight into the ditch. Uh, The final word is brought to us by? Nobody. And Yurko has it. Fabulous. That is the best of Yurko driving the Carmen and Yurko show. One day a year, it is fabulous, and that's why I say this is both the easiest and hardest job that one can have following Yurko drive his own show. What did you think, Kevin? I know that was your first uh, taste of the entirety of Yurko driving. I could listen to him comment on music bumps all day long. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Ah, uh, extraordinary. Yes, uh... There is only one good kid, like I said. So I will not try, I will not even dear attempt to, 
usurp him. It is impossible, but uh, it was fabulous. So that was Yurko driving the show on Wednesday. I'm Jeff Meller in for Carmen Yurk today. Guys, we'll be back on Monday. All right, so Luke Getze met the media. I'll let you hear from him here shortly, but I did want to continue to talk a little bit about where the Bears are at right now. Six games remaining for Justin Fields. Is there, is there anything that Justin Fields can accomplish here to change the direction that it feels like the franchise is moving in? I personally would love to see him stack Six more games or, you know, that, that might be a little bit ambitious, but can you give us five of the next six where you play like you did against the Lions last week? That was a phenomenal game. Exactly what you're looking for from Justin Fields. He ran the ball effectively, and I think what was good to see was he slid a lot. He got down. He was not taking hits. I knew. I know he ran the ball 18 times, but for the most part, he was not taking hits. You can, you can run the ball 18 times in this league if you're never being hit, if you're constantly sliding. And he did a lot of that against the Lions. And you saw when a quarterback has the ability to threaten a defense with his legs like that, it is the hardest thing in the league to stop. It is... It's that it's the combination of the arm talent that Patrick Mahomes has in addition to the way he can scramble and break the pocket and then just break your back with those, you know, late first down gainers that he did that you saw on display on Monday night against the Eagles. You know, having that ability, it's it's you know what Lamar Jackson can do, what Josh Allen can do. It really is, in my opinion, what separates the truly elite quarterbacks from some of the others, you know, and you obviously you, you win in the pocket when you're like what I talked about earlier. If you're the 49ers, you surround Brock Purdy with all that talent. You can win from within the pocket. But when you have an athlete like George, Justin Fields already on your roster, it is so tantalizing. Right. And I found it interesting going back against the Lions before the game during the pregame show with Jeff Joniak. Ryan Poles, who does a pregame interview every game before with Jeff Joniak, heard right here on your home of the Bears, ESPN 1000. I found it interesting that Ryan Poles mentioned that what he wanted to see Justin Fields do or what he could learn from Tyson Bajan was get the ball out quicker. And I think we saw that on Sunday against the Lions. And now is that something he can continue to repeat? It's going to be a different task against the Vikings, Brian Flores, the most blitz-happy defensive coordinator in the league, and the last time they played the Vikings at Soldier Field is the game in which Justin Fields injured his thumb and prior to that was not really playing great football. So he goes into this game knowing that that challenge is at hand, and I'm fascinated to see how he's going to respond and play against the Vikings. And if he can play similarly to the way he did on Sunday against the Lions, or maybe it, it doesn't necessarily happen the same way because you'll see more free rushers coming at the Bears, but maybe, just maybe, we can see Justin Fields get rid of the ball quicker, and that can lead to more success. And if he can do that and continue to stack games together, is there a scenario where Justin Fields will be back next year? That is, I think, the, let's call it the the 200 million dollar question because if you go forward with Justin Fields next year without drafting a quarterback 
you're trending in the direction where you're going to be signing him to one of those massive deals. And the only way that probably takes place is if he is very impressive over these next six games. I'm hoping, like heck, that he can do that. Uh, So far, I have been skeptical about his ability to go through his progressions and play from the pocket. But what I saw Sunday against the Lions, meltdown notwithstanding, which really wasn't on him, really was encouraging. And when you put that game with the game against the Commanders and that first half against the Broncos, and I get it, those defenses were more susceptible than others. But if you can start looking at the body of work and they start looking more like those three games that I just mentioned, is there a scenario where Justin Fields is back and now you're utilizing maybe two top five picks, including first overall, on surrounding him with talent and maybe trying to do what the 49ers have done in surrounding Brock Purdy with all the talents in the world? Is that, is that a better path forward? I think it is because... No matter what anybody tells you, no matter how confident they are in Caleb Williams or Drake May, the truth is that we've seen plenty of top quarterbacks fail. Not always of their own doing, but you really don't know oftentimes exactly what you're getting from rookie quarterbacks until they get to the league and you start seeing how things play out. And so if Justin Fields can prove at the NFL level that he has top 12, top 10 quarterback capability in him, and then you can surround him with more talent, I think the path forward for the Bears could accelerate quicker with him under center rather than, rather than trying to move forward with a rookie quarterback who you hope is the answer, but you're not necessarily sure about. We'll see what Luke Getze has to say about Justin Fields. He spoke with the media earlier today. We'll see what he said about how the Bears plan to attack the Vikings. We'll do that next on ESPN 1000. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller in for Carmen Yurk today here on Black Friday. The guys are off. They're back on Monday. Courtney Cronin is going to hop on and join us about 10 minutes from now. And uh, we'll ask her her thoughts as the Bears get set to take on the Vikings on Monday Night Football. She knows both those teams very well. Luke Getze met the media earlier today. Let's uh, listen in on what he had to say in regards to his offense. I mean, through through the end, uh, I thought he I thought he, he he did a nice job. I mean, especially with the having the layover, and not playing ball for a little while. Um, you know, mentally dialed in. You know, even even leading up to that, I said, like I said before, two weeks prior to that, he had a chance to play so he was dialed in and ready to roll um so that part was really good uh but still you're going to get a really good football team and then um to be able to go out there and and execute and play the way that they did i thought he gave us a chance to win for sure luke on the on the third and ten the deep ball to tyler at the end of the game justin and flus explained that the robber concept with the lions they kind of took away dj um, was there an opportunity to try to, I don't know if it's forcing it to DJ, to, to, to rip that there? Um, I know it's hindsight 2020 through a good ball tire. Nobody can talk about that. But, like, is that a conversation you have with Justin about DJ in that spot? I mean, yeah, I think that's all part of uh, your growth. And when you're going through those types of situations, you you always want to factor in who people are. That's, that's, a, that's always matchups are always kind of the starting point of our week, you know, when you're putting your plan together. 
Um, but the cool part about it was just the way that he processed it, the way he communicated it, the way that he talked about why he did what he did and what he saw. Like, that's all real growth and stuff like that. And then he, and he made a good throw. You know, his feet need to be cleaned up a little bit on that one. You know, in that moment kind of felt, uh, I think it was the left side that he kind of had to, like, take a little extra hitch. But at the same time, he was seeing everything clearly. It made a good throw, too, you know, and Tyler will make that the next time we give him that opportunity. The play right before that's the zone read give to Herbert right up the gut. What, what, what's your vantage point on what was there and whether the read and the decision are married up properly, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's not an exact science. Anytime, any, you know, I think in the, my my past and my history of doing this thing in this level and the college level, like you, you don't, there's no exact science to exactly how you tell that quarterback to make the decision. I think there's plenty of times throughout that game that you would say that that uh, if you were coaching it, you would say, why did you keep that? But you know, sometimes it is who's that person and who are you, uh, and you have to feel what you feel, right? And and I think you know, from from Justin's standpoint, he made the right decision. Uh, we got to execute the rest of the play a lot better next time, and uh, and we will. Does Justin have different rules than other quarterbacks on those? Just because how special he is with his legs. I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say like different rules in the sense of like you get to do kind of whatever you want. I think every person has to have a set of standards for what allows them to make that decision to go or not go. So I think that that's nothing different that if if I was throwing a twenty yard in versus Brett Favre throwing a twenty yard in, right? He's going to have a, a little bit less window he can fit in between between like but that besides that and so like i think that's kind of goes into the same kind of thought process like who am i who is that person what's their body language like all that stuff goes into it when you're making those decisions in that split second given how much the vikings blitz um, and the way they do it differently from different spots how much different is the preparation during the week how much more challenging maybe is it than just a typical opponent yeah i would say the preparation isn't different uh I think everybody on our side does a really nice job of getting us ready to rock and roll each and every week. <clears throat> Excuse me, from that perspective, but it, the the challenge is real, and uh, like nobody does it this much and this often and this in this many different varieties of ways as as, as these guys do. I think uh, Coach Flores has done a really nice job of getting those guys uh, kind of all in sync and figured they figured out a really nice way of of uh, putting a lot of stress on people. I think Josh Dobbs is on his fifth team in the calendar year, maybe sixth if you count the Browns twice. Do you have an appreciation for how hard it is to jump in and learn that? And how would you explain it to to, uh, to people like us who yeah. uh, who know it's difficult but probably don't know just how hard it is? No, it's incredible. That's an incredible, uh, you know, what he's been able to do. And I've only heard incredible things about the kind of guy that he is and how brilliant he is. And I have a lot of friends that have been part of that coaching him in those rooms and stuff, and they all speak so highly of him. And, uh, no, I, I don't think I would be able to articulate it well enough, to be honest with you, how incredible that is for him to go to, and have success really everywhere. He you know, did a really nice job in Arizona as well. So, like, that's pretty incredible. At this, at this stage of the, of the process with this offense, how much do you lament not getting touchdowns instead of field goals on those fourth-quarter drives? In other words, maybe a year or two from maybe later on or maybe in Green Bay, that would be a big – deal I, I, is at this stage of development it, it, how much do you lament that that you didn't get touchdowns when they could have made a difference instead of it instead of, uh, instead of you just you're referring to those the two of the last yeah, those yeah. those last drives when we end up kicking that long drive yeah. i'm sure you were happy took a lot of time off the clock but you sure. know yeah I, I don't um 
I guess I don't I wouldn't think of it that way. I think it's you know we have the expectation that we're going to score on every drive and we have the expectation that we're going to execute on every play. So uh, our mindset is we're always going to score. So that that expectation should be that way. Um, circumstances and games and stuff are always going to change decision making and things like that. And we're always going to. Uh, communicate really well about what we want to do and how we want to approach it and maybe in those situations. And Coach did a great job of communicating that, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, but in the end, we yeah, we want to score touchdowns because that's going to help everything else. Does it, you know, we were backed up, took eight or nine minutes off the clock, kicked a field goal, which is which is good, but that's not what our, that's not our goal. Our goal is to score every time we have the ball. First to that end, the first of those two drives, you got the 29-yard third down conversion from Justin. You get a penalty tacked on of that. And then it was three running plays there. What, what was kind of the philosophy of not being a little more aggressive with the passing game and trying to, to get that one going? Well, it's the same thing. We're we're, we're always going to be in the best play mindset, right? And, and it's uh, you know when you when you, you when you're in an advantageous position like we were, we felt like we were in those positions. We're going to go with it. We're going to go. We don't you know run pass doesn't necessarily always uh, say we have to throw it or we have to run it. Whichever one makes you feel like you're more aggressive, uh, we call it a run on third and six or whatever, and got the first down with Roshan uh, earlier in that game. You know we we executed right. Um, and we actually we executed at a high level on that one. And sometimes you're making those decisions based upon the situation too. Like, do you want the clock to run? Uh, are you already in field goal range? Are you worried about a pressure that might be coming or whatever? Whatever it might be, you're trying to play that that that, that uh, chess game with the other side of the field too. So, uh, no, we felt we felt good about all those calls. We just gotta, you know, do I want to take one or two of them back? Sure, I do. Right, I'd love to because now I know what they did. Now I know how they how they how they defended us for sure. I'm sure in the run game. Uh, it happens every game that you probably look at the film and say you were one block away from a touchdown. <laughs> How many of those were there in that game? Because it seemed like there were a few. Yeah, no, that that, that shows up, like you said, uh, and we'll, and we'll we'll hit those. I know we will. Like our guys are starting to uh, the chemistry part of it. You can feel it up front. Just continue to get better. You know, we had a couple of those plays that that we got to clean up and you know communication things. But uh, but the chemistry part of it, you can see, it's really nice to have the guys uh, out there together, playing together, and being able. You know, I've I've played next to that guy for multiple snaps now, so all that stuff will be really good. And I think that that'll help those backs uh, and Justin then hit it. You know, take it to the house instead of just you know maybe it's a twelve or whatever, like you said, getting the shoestring tackle. How tough is it when you lose your center in the middle of a game, and how would you kind of assess how Dan Feeney performed in there? Yeah, I think the hardest part, honestly, is when that happens in the middle of a drive like that. That was, you know, um, that's that's the hardest part. But Dan did an incredible job. I mean, for, the, for his first crack at that thing and to go out there against that team and in that environment and all that stuff, uh, he did an incredible job. And so, we, you know, I thought he did, you know, he stepped in, um, and we couldn't have asked for any more, to be honest with you. He went in there and did a really nice job. Luke, the, the, the Vikings are the first team this year that you'll play for a second time. How much as a coordinator do you – uh, look at the uh, the chess match of that of, of looking at what they did the first time, anticipating that whole thing. How much is that a measurement of of how good you are at what you do? I don't know. The, I can't answer the second part of it. I'm not. I've never. I've never measured any any of that before. But I will say it's an important part of what you do. Uh, it's an important part of like whenever you're going against somebody, you want to, you know, you, you're evaluating what their thought process was and how they feel they can stop you, and you're you're doing the same and how you can attack them. And so that's obviously a big part of it. And um, you know, but we'll take in the whole season that, that that they've done, and then we'll take in the approach that they had specifically to us, and we'll kind of figure out exactly the best way for us to attack them. The offense uh, that is as, as blitz heavy as Minnesota, um, does it help seeing them a second time, or does it not really work that way? 
Well, I think they just do a really nice job each week. You can tell every game plan they have specifics, and they do a good job of changing things up each week. Um, that's where they're so dynamic in the sense that they have the, the, the their personnel allows them to be fluid. To the guys don't have to line up in the same spot to do the same thing every time. They have a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things, and so uh, you know, obviously having more film is helpful. But at the same time. Uh, we know that they're going to bring more, you know, different stuff to us this this time than than they've shown in the past. Do you think Herbert, in his in, in his second game back, will be better than he was in his first? And how do you think he looked? Yeah, I, I think that's that's always fair to say, especially for a runner getting back in that position, right? And uh, same thing as we talked about with Justin when you're off for so long, just getting your feet back underneath you. Um, but because you could, you know, you kind of saw that in the sense of like he got better as the game went along and all that stuff. So yeah, we, we, we anticipate him coming out and having a great day. There you go, Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze earlier today meeting the media, talking about a lot of what happened in the Detroit game. And of course, looking ahead to the Bears game against the Vikings, another divisional opponent on Monday Night Football. Up next, we'll talk with Courtney Cronin. She knows both the Vikings and Bears very well. So join us right here on Carmen and York. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller in for Carmen Yurko today, hanging out with you on Black Friday, about 25 minutes away from the NFL's inaugural Black Friday game between the Dolphins, the Tua-led Dolphins, and the Tim Boyle-led Jets. I know everybody can't wait for that one. I know Courtney Cronin has to be very excited about the first Black Friday game on Prime today. I'm sure she'll be watching that out of the corner of her eyes while she's hosting some national radio. But uh, before we get there, Courtney, fresh off of, I believe, her first Thanksgiving off in a while. Courtney, did you enjoy it? I loved every minute of it. I was on the couch from maybe like 11.15 until the time we ate and then back on the couch to watch more football. It was fantastic, and I hope that you had a good one as well. I did, and that sounds like the perfect way to spend a Thanksgiving. All right, to the task at hand, though, two teams square off on Monday Night Football that you know extremely well. You cover the Bears for ESPN. You used to cover the the Vikings for ESPN. So before we get into the nitty-gritty about the Bears, what's your uh, initial outlook on this game on Monday Night Football? You know, they were right there last week. Uh, you know, that big fourth down at the end of the game where Dobbs couldn't connect over the middle of the field, and they were going to try to push that thing to the last possible second, but... The reason they lost that game is because of the turnovers. You cannot be minus three in the turnover margin. Can't expect to to stay competitive, but they've been one of the better stories in the NFL. Losing your starting quarterback, trading for a quarterback who comes in and you know has to be the hero to get you out of a game in Atlanta, a game in which they win. It was part of a five-game win streak. There's still a lot like of meat on the bone with the Vikings team that once they start out 0-4, it looked like things were pretty darn bleak. And I think you can look at this defense, what Brian Flores has injected into that unit, how aggressive they are. We know they blitz a ton, and it comes from all different places. So they've, they've certainly revitalized that element of a, of a unit that last year was the reason they were in so many of those one-score games. Um, but I, I think that you know when we look at where they were the last time these two teams played each other in October, I remember saying to some of my colleagues on the beat, this is probably the last time we're going to see Kirk Cousins. Because at that time, you know, if you're thinking they're, they won one win, they might try to trade him. 
to maybe a team like the Jets and that we'd be seeing a different quarterback. I just didn't think it would be in this circumstance that, you know, Cousins obviously with the Achilles and, and them going to get Josh Dobbs. But, man, they've, they've kept that thing on the track somehow. Yeah, no, and it's uh, interesting. Yeah, you can't generally expect to win a game where you are minus three in the turnovers, unless, of course, you're playing the Bears, in which case they give you the opportunity to come back and beat them in historic fashion. <laughs> That's on the table for the Vikings. How about, have you heard anything, before we get to the Bears, anything about Justin Jefferson and his potential return? I know that was up in the air still as of earlier this week. Have you learned anything in regards to Justin Jefferson? You know, it's interesting because his tweet that he put out on Tuesday Mm -hmm. would make you think, okay, this guy's not coming back. They have the bye the same week as the Bears that, you know, they might go two weeks before he's back. But Kevin O'Connell spoke yesterday and said it was trending in, you know, it's trending in a better direction of him being on track at some point soon. Now, maybe they do end up waiting and holding him out. I mean, they've been honestly fine in his in his absence where whether it's tj hawkinson kj osborne jordan addison josh oliver caught a touchdown pass last week but that's certainly one to monitor because the bears are going about it preparing as if he will play Mm -hmm. but they may they may want to give that hamstring uh another week or two to to get back to full form because remember he didn't sign a contract extension with the with the vikings this offseason you know, they want to make sure that they're not putting him in harm's way by having him come back too early. No, it's a, yeah, it's a great point. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Vikings do play it safe and maybe Justin Jefferson would be the one pushing them in that direction anyway because of the point you just made. Courtney Cronin joining us here on Carmen and Yurko. Meller in for the guys today. All right, to the Bears. What do we make of where they're at right now? You know, they're 3-8. and eight. Iberflus feels like dead man walking, but, you know, is there anything he can do, do you believe, to salvage his job at this point? You know, I, I honestly think last week might have been the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. um, because you can't have a situation like that where you have a team that's playing great for three quarters, a defense that's playing lights out, and then it's, by and large, coaching decisions that put them in a deficit at the end and allowed Detroit to come back in the final four minutes and 15 seconds and win that game. I... I think if there's anything that we're going to look at, like if we're looking at a coaching search the the Monday or Tuesday after the Green Bay game at the end of the year, you're going to be able to point back to this game and say, okay, things were trending up. The run defense was so much better. The pass defense had been getting better in the past two weeks. It's finally starting to get more turnovers, um, which is something that this defense lacked. And then that game happened. Um, I, I think it would be really difficult, honestly, at this point for – this staff as as a as a whole collective unit to stay intact because of what's at stake for this team in the offseason they're sitting on potential franchise altering draft capital mm-hmm. with the number one overall pick right now number four pick currently uh which is their own and i just don't know if you can squander that when you don't have necessarily the right infrastructure in place from a coaching staff perspective no, it's a great point, and when you look at what did unfold against the Lions there and the big point of contention, your defense allows that comeback, and you have Montez Sweat only on the field for 63% of the snaps, and I know you've been over it ad nauseum, and I thought you made a really good point with Sylvian Waddle and Sylvian Wednesday. You know, you, Ryan Poles went out and got you this guy so to fit into your defense to give you that impact player. And then you have this historic collapse, and fine, you have excuses for why in a hurry up it got away from you. But at the same time, I can point to the fact that you don't have, you still don't have a defensive coordinator on your staff. You've taken the reins, and so you can't even point to another guy and say, 
I should have somebody next to me pointing that out, helping me navigate this. You know, that's of his own making, Courtney. And, and so it's decisions like that, that that like I find it really hard to find a path forward for him. Well, he kind of did have that person who I, what you're getting to is that being able to pawn it off on someone else. Um, and it felt like that's what was happening with the comments about Travis Smith, the defensive line coach. Well, Travis rotates them in five to seven snaps, you know, per guy mm-hmm. uh, in the two-minute situation. You know, as the, as the head coach and defensive coordinator, if Matty Berfus wants his guys out there, he overrules everybody. So I think there should be some culpability there. And you just you, – like, I understand he's been a rotation guy before. Like, that's how that's, – that was his MO in Indianapolis. That's wonderful. That's great if it works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work because you don't have multiple other really good pass rushers. Like, call a spade a spade. They have mm-hmm. one right now. And you're paying that guy $25.5 million a year on an extension that – just signed him to bingo he, he needs to be out there and and i'm i think honestly the more egregious thing in, in a lot of this too is that you know we've seen this happen before guys take themselves out of the game um in critical situations i remember referencing the dj moore situation against green bay mm-hmm. uh we took himself out in the red zone and tremaine Edmonds wasn't on the field like at some point I understand health and safety is, of course, like paramount. But at some point, you have to be like rotation. Be damned! I yes. need my best players out there. Like that's 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 a quick way to solve it if you're the head coach and the person who ultimately is in charge of who's on the field and who's not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's simply, hey, we'd like to win a second game in a row here during my tenure. We just signed you to a ninety-eight million dollar contract. And, you know, oh, by the way, this, doesn't, this didn't help them in any way. But for anybody who's seen Courtney, uh, the first episode of Hard Knocks with the Dolphins, they spent five minutes talking about Max Crosby, who's on the Raiders, yeah. who never comes off the field. And I'm not saying my, I'm not saying Montez Sweat can never come off the field. But at the same time, Montez Sweat is now making more than more money than Max Crosby. And you can't win and you can't finish off a game. And then to your point, like, I don't want to hear Travis Smith didn't have him in the football game. Like you said, you're the head coach. It's just maddening. All right, to more important matters, though, you mentioned the draft capital that the Bears could have at the end of the season here. What do you think Justin Fields, how do you think he needs to play? How well does he need to play in order for him to convince, whether it be Ryan Poles or maybe a different person making that selection, how well does he need to play over the next six games to prove that he can be the guy that this organization can move forward with? I think it has to be, and you have a Cleveland defense that has been giving everybody fits um, this season. Like They're playing them on the 17th of December. You've got Minnesota, Detroit again, Green Bay. Like There's, a, there's some winnable games in there. He has to play the way he did against Washington, against uh, Detroit for the better part of 54 minutes. I would say in at least like four out of those six games to give himself the consideration if he wants, you know, of him staying here next year. I also think that there's going to be factors that are out of his control, though, that factor into whether he's the quarterback here or not next year. Like if you're a general manager, your first time doing this, like you can't necessarily say, okay, no, I've seen enough from Justin to be confident to pass up on draft capital that could alter the direction of this team. Like that's, that could be a decision that no matter how well Justin Fields plays, Ryan Pohl says, look, like I, this, I can't, I can't like take anything. Nothing's going to outweigh what they have. And so I, again, like Justin can't fall off a cliff and I don't know if there's some certain sort of threshold. I, I think we need to look a little bit more closely at the total offense that he accounts for. He's a special quarterback with his legs. There's mm-hmm. two of them in this league that can do what he did himself and Lamar Jackson. So 
does he need to throw for 300 yards a game every single game if he's given you you know an output of about 250 plus with you know from his arm and his legs no I don't think that has to factor in because I think that that's the identity he needs to make sure he's cementing himself as as a quarterback this year and he's done a better job staying in the pocket scanning downfield finding his guys going through progression but I don't I don't like it can't go backwards, but it also I don't think for being realistic about this, like I just I honestly think there's gonna be a lot of other factors that come into play here as to whether he's the quarterback or not next year based on all of the things that Ryan pulls and, and like, you know, ownership and people making decisions next year, like those things come into play. I hear you. Courtney, great stuff. Thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it. I know you're busy. No problem. Take care. Courtney Cronin again, she covers the Bears for ESPN. And for us here at ESPN Chicago, great stuff. I'm sure she'll, you can hear her Sunday mornings with Peter Burns early in the morning before I get started with the fantasy football show. Um, and, of course, she's got uh, lots of national gigs as well that you can hear her throughout on ESPN Radio. I'm Jeff Meller, in for Carmen and Yurko. Let's uh, slip in a call here before we take a quick timeout. What's going on? Reggie's in Richmond. Reg, what's going on, man? How's it going? Man, how come y'all keep uh, scrutinizing uh, Fields, man? He's the quarterback, like- Reggie. Man, the kid is playing real good. Man. He played he has played awesome real on good. Sunday. He played awesome on Sunday. Prior to that, too, he had been playing pretty decent. There were pretty there, much for the most part of the season. There were two games. There were two games prior to um, the Vikings game where he played excellent against the Broncos and Commanders. Reg, I agree with you. And if you you know during the show, I even mentioned for the Bears, if Justin Fields. That's why I asked Courtney Cronin that question. You know. If Justin Fields can play close to how he did against the Lions on Sunday for six more games, whether it be Ryan Poles or maybe a different general manager based on what Albert Breer said that I played for folks earlier in the show, if he can play like that, he's going to make it a very difficult decision on Poles or the next guy. Unfortunately, and this is not all Justin Fields doing, but what I'll say is, that based on where he's at in his NFL contract, you know, he's in his third year, he's entering, he'll be in his fourth season next year. The Bears need to make a decision on his fifth year option at next, uh, it'll be next, it'll be after the draft next year. They need to make the decision on whether or not they want to pick up that fifth year option. All things being equal, if the Bears don't have a top one or two pick, I think it'd be pretty easy to move forward with Justin Fields if he plays anywhere near the way he did for the next six games, the way he did on Sunday. But that's probably not going to be the case, Reggie. He's, the Bears are probably in all likelihood going to have a top two pick, probably number one, through the Carolina Panthers. And that's where it's going to get really tricky because through three seasons, Justin Fields hasn't really kicked down the door and proved that he's a quarterback you can build a winning franchise around again not all of his own making lots of things have been you know Matt Nagy was the the way the Bears moved forward with him to start Justin Fields career was a terrible way to do it and clearly Matt Eberflus has been it's left a lot to be desired for Bears fans trying to help develop a young quarterback so I'm not saying Justin Fields won't end up being a very successful winning quarterback in this league. But when you look at where the Bears are at as an organization and when you look at where he's at on his contract, 
you could it just seems more likely now than not that the Bears will have to move forward in all likelihood with a different quarterback. I'm not saying it's impossible Justin Fields won't be back, but based on what he's done so far and the fact that Matt Eberflus may not be back, in which case Luke Getze would probably not be back either. Can't really that'd be a very difficult scenario to envision where Getze's back and Eberflus is not. So you're really going to have an, a third head coach with Justin Fields moving forward while you still own the number one overall pick? It seems highly unlikely. I'd love to see the Bears draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and Justin Fields be the guy. I'm just not sure there's going to be enough time in this NFL season for Justin Fields to pr- prove he should be that guy moving forward. But hopefully... He balls out the next six games, and we all fall, everybody in the city falls in love with Justin Fields, and he makes it clear. That would be awesome, and that would be the best case for this franchise is if Justin Fields proves he's the guy. He just hasn't proved it yet to a lot of people. I'm Jeff Meller, in for Carmen Yerko on ESPN 1000. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Shout out to all the high schools participating in the IHSA playoffs this weekend, playing for the state title. Of course, my uh, special shout out to my alma mater too, St. Lawrence, in the 4A final tonight against Rochester. So on Vikings, let's go St. Lawrence. Let's uh, pull off their first state title uh, since 1976. That'd be pretty sweet, huh? Huh? For all the uh, all the Vikings out there. Not the Minnesota Vikings, the St. Lawrence Vikings. All right, I digress. I'm Jeff Meller, in for Carmen and Yurko today, hanging out with you. Got uh, Jesse Rogers and Tyler Aki waiting in the wings, getting set to crosstalk with them here in about two short minutes. Talk a little bit of baseball. Jesse and I were just batting back and forth. Some Shohei Otani ideas. Could he make a decision today? There was a rumor floating around that today could be the day. But alas, apparently... The person who put that out there, I believe it was Howie Rose, was a little bit premature, and that does not seem to be the case. Doesn't look like we'll get Otani news today. So, um, nevertheless, I'm going to ask Jesse Rogers coming up in crosstalk what he thinks about the Otani pursuit for the Cubs. What about some of the other rumors that have been circulating? I know J.P. Morosi put the idea of the Cubs trading for Bo Bichette. Is that a possibility? Seems like a long shot, but uh, I'll, again, I'll ask Jesse in crosstalk along with Tyler Aki. They're in for Waddle and Sylvie today. They're coming up from 2 to 6, so uh, we'll pick their brains in a minute or two here about that. I did want to mention, a couple minutes away from the first ever Black Friday game, the NFL's first foray into Friday afternoon football. Now, the only reason they can actually do this and avoid their antitrust exemption is by playing the game before 6 p.m. tonight. And so that, my friends, is why you have a 2 o'clock Friday, Black Friday kickoff. Because legally, the NFL is not allowed to play Friday and Saturday night football games during the fall or risk losing their antitrust exemption. And so... In order to slip in 
a Black Friday game for the folks. They said, okay, we'll kick off at 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock Central Time. So that is why, if you're wondering why the Black Friday game is not occurring at night, that is the reason, my friends. And also, it gives the... It gives the owner of said game, Amazon Prime, a perfect opportunity to market to all the NFL consumers out there. I'm going to be very curious as I consume this football game this afternoon to see how exactly Amazon works in some things to try and get us, the consumers, to purchase things through Prime. I promise you, they've got something up their sleeve. Unlike Matt Eberflus, I do believe Prime has some stuff up their sleeve. And we're excited about this second half. we got some things up our sleeve, so, all right? Well, he didn't, but I promise you, Amazon Prime does for this Black Friday game between the Jets and the Dolphins. All right, we'll cross talk with Jesse Rogers and Tyler Aki in two short minutes. Before that, though... I'm the only one hosting, so I have the final word. Me, Jeff Meller, a mere mortal, has very little chance of not exceeding is not even possible, but just coming anywhere near the level of entertainment that the god of entertainment Yerko is.